My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. This is Friday, and we have had a blast with you and with each other this week. And I'm talking about Denise, Paul, and Joel. Guys, have we had a good time? Absolutely. This is my favorite kind of program, actually. Yes. Because it's all over the place. It's all over the board. I think that's a lot of fun. Hey, man. Denise, you look really pretty, and you're not wearing leopardo spots tonight. No, I'm wearing black. You look really pretty. Thank you. And home group, welcome. We're so glad you're with us. Hey, Mr. Renner. Hi, everybody. Questions and Answers is a lot of fun, and we end up in places we don't usually expect going to. And if you have any questions, please write us in the comment section. We'll save your questions. And next time we do a questions and answer uh, program, your questions will be answered. And we're offering you right now the free download called More Questions and Answers with Rick Renner. I just love it when we do this. And this week in the regular TV program, it's me and Mr. Joel Renner. And we go through all these questions and a whole lot more than we've been able to handle on Home Group. It's really fun to do this and to see what the Bible says on so many subjects like Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, UFOs. I mean, we cover it all. And this comes with a study guide. And right now, everything on our website is 25% off. So if you're one of those people that's been wanting to get Sparkling Gems 1 or 2 or a Light and Darkness or maybe Last Day's Survival Guide or Dress to Kill, it's all there for 25% off. So please avail yourself to that right now. And if you have a special prayer need, would you please let us know how to pray for you? Denise, we really believe in prayer, don't we? Yes, we do. And, and if you uh, are a partner, thank you so much thank for you, your partnership. Thank you, thank you, thank you, partners. You, you are amazing. Thank you. Amen. Well, let's get right to it, Mr. Joel Renner. Okay. Question number one. I've heard that Jesus spoke frequently about hell and warned people about it. Did Jesus actually speak a lot about hell? And if so, why do we hear so little about it today? Well, Jesus spoke about two subjects hugely. The number one subject Jesus spoke about was hell. Second was money. Those were the two subjects. And isn't it interesting? Those are the two subjects people don't like to talk about. But Jesus talked about hell because he had a revelation of hell. And one of the reasons Jesus died was to stop people from going there. And, you know, Joel, I said to you in the regular TV program today that most Christians really don't believe in hell. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, do you believe in hell? You say, of course I believe in hell. Do you really? I think that if we really believed in hell, we would live our lives differently. You would be concerned about the person that lives in the house next door to you or in the apartment next to you or the person that you work with every day. If you really had a revelation of hell, I think you would do something different for those people. Jesus had a revelation of hell. And Jesus taught extensively about hell. He passed that to the apostles. The apostles passed it to the church. The early church burned with a fire to reach people. And by the way, you ought to get my book called A Life Ablaze. That is a notable book and it's 25% off. But Jesus really had a revelation about hell. He really did. You know what's interesting to me is when somebody dies, I mean, they lived a horrible life, a godless life, never prayed to receive Christ, never repented, but people almost inevitably say, well, I'm just hoping that in those last moments that 
they made everything right. You know why they say that? Because nobody really wants to come to groups with the fact somebody they know really went to hell. But people really go there. Hell is a real place. And in fact, Jesus said the way to hell is huge. It's a highway to hell. And the book of Psalms says hell is like a beast that is never satisfied. It wants to eat and eat and eat and eat and eat more souls. That is what the Bible says. And we have a responsibility to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And by the way, not just to the ends of the earth, to your next door neighbor. Everybody needs to be saved. Everybody. Hell is a reality. Parents go there. Siblings go there. Children, grandchildren go there. Unless we offer them the message that stops them from going there. And what a privilege that we can do that. Amen. Next question. Why did Jesus give the demons in the demoniac leave to enter the swine in Mark chapter 5? Well, let's go there. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. Love this story in Mark chapter 5 because it's such a notable miracle. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus has arrived at the country of the Gadarenes. And the Bible tells us in verse 2, And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. The Greek says, in the grip of an unclean spirit. The word unclean is a Greek word which describes something lewd or crude or vile. And it kind of gives the idea that this guy had mentally played with unclean thoughts. The mind is the gate. And if you allow wrong things into your mind, it can open the door for a demonic infestation. I think that's what happened to this man. It says in verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man could bind him, no not with chains. And the story goes on and on and on. And finally, when you get down to verse 6, and when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. And cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? I drew thee by God that thou torment me not. Verse 8. Here's how Jesus was tormenting the demon. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. You know what the Greek says? For he said and said and said and said and kept on saying and kept on saying and kept on saying, Come out of him. I said, Come out of him. I said, Come out of him. I'm not leaving till you come out of him. The demon was not budging. And that's why the Greek says he kept saying and saying and saying and saying. Other people had tried to deal with these demons and they walked off and abandoned it because they said it's hopeless. Jesus said, I'm not leaving till this man's free. He kept saying and saying and saying, I'm not leaving till you come out. Come out, come out, make an exit. I said, come out. And when the demon didn't come out, that's when Jesus said, what is your name? And some people say, well, that on the basis of that, you should always have a conversation with the demons and ask them what are their names. Jesus only did it once. And he did it because it wasn't coming out. He said, who in the world are you anyway? And that's when the demon, one demon was speaking, answered and said, my name is what? Legion, Legion which is 6,000. For we are many. So one demon was speaking on behalf of 6,000. It was an infestation. Then when you come to verse 10, the one demon is still speaking, for he besought him much that he would not send what? Them out of the country. He's speaking on behalf of all the other demons. Then when you get to verse 11, and there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. Verse 12, now all the devils besought him. So if we had been there that day, one demon was doing all the talking up to a certain moment. 
But now Jesus is applying such pressure. Come out, Usher, come out. You have met your match. I'm not leaving until you come out. They were so stirred up that now all of them are speaking. It looked like a whole chorus of voices speaking through this man's voice. And they besought him saying, send us into the swine that we may enter into them. Well, swine, first of all, shouldn't have even been in the land of Israel because they're unclean. They weren't even supposed to be there. These were considered the lowest level, most filthy animals of all. And this will tell you something about demons. They're even willing to live in a pig. And the Bible says in verse 13, and forthwith Jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. Somebody says, doesn't seem very fair to the pigs. Well, the pigs shouldn't have been there anyway. But Jesus was teaching what demons will do if no one resists them. When all those demons, 6,000 of them were in one man, they were not able to kill that man. He still had enough of his own will to stop it. But pigs don't have a mind to resist. So when all the demons went into the pigs, they did what they do. They kill, they steal, they destroy. Immediately what happened? It says the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and they were choked in the sea. The Greek says they were choked as they entered the sea. Those demons were killing those pigs on the way into the water. Isn't that amazing? And I actually think the demons were probably trying to shake off whatever was choking them. But that's why he allowed them to go into the pigs, to show us what happens if there's no resistance. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Next question. How should I change church membership? And I also have a question. Well, let's let Pastor Paul answer that question first. Well, I want to ask another question in this question. Okay. If you're looking for a new church, do you first tell your pastor, I'm leaving, or do you find a church you want to go to? What's the right order in doing that? Pastor Paul? Well, first, I, you probably want to know, why do you want to look for a new church? If you're looking for a new church because you're offended, or if you're looking for a new church because somehow the church that you're in right now didn't mm, fulfill all of your expectations, uh, I'm not sure that that's the best reason to move to a different church. If you're moving to a different church because you've moved to a different city, that's a good reason to change church membership. If you're moving to a different church because the church that you used to go to no longer believes what you believe, or perhaps it's left some of its uh, practices That's a good that uh, it originally had when you went to that church. For, for instance, unfortunately, not all churches that used to practice speaking in tongues are speaking in tongues today. Not all churches who used to pray with the laying out of hands are doing that today. And if that's something that's dear to you and is part of your faith, then probably you should look for a church that speaks in tongues. Probably you should look for a church that prays for people. Probably you should look for a church that does those things or practices those things that are dear to you. So if a church has left some of the things that you originally came to that church for, or if the Holy Spirit has opened some things to you and the church you're in right now is not open to those things, then those are some good reasons to change church. Uh, but if you're thinking about changing church because of offense or because of a lack of fulfilled expectations, there are people everywhere, uh, probably everywhere, someone will not be able to fulfill your expectations. So before moving to a different church, you need to find out for yourself exactly why you're doing it. And then it'll probably be easier 
for you to make a decision whether to switch churches or not. Because then you'll know why you're doing it. If you're doing it because you're going after the things of the Spirit, or if you're doing it because you've moved to a different city, that makes sense. But if you're doing it because you're trying to avoid an issue, the issue's still there. And when you move to a different church, even if it's in a different city, uh, if you don't deal with the, the reason, you'll probably end up with the same, same problems. Many times it's happened to us in Moscow. So before switching to a new church, find out why you're doing it. And then when you find out why you're doing it, it'll be easier for you to choose a church. Now, the question specifically said church membership. Not all churches practice church membership. And that's a mistake. And not all churches practice church membership the same way it was practiced in many denominational churches years ago. But church membership provides clarity. Yes. Especially if you're a pastor. When somebody becomes a member, they have entered into covenant with the church. Mm -hmm. That is something very much higher than somebody who just visits your church. Yes. And church membership adds a lot of clarity for a pastor and for you. It really does. Okay. Now, when, uh, when I'm in Tulsa, I'm in Tulsa usually once a year, sometimes twice a year. I love to visit churches. You're like a church tourist. Uh, You're amazing. Well, sometimes, I think in most situations, the word church tourist would mean something bad, like you're hopping from church to church. You can't decide which church you actually go to. But no, I'm talking about you visiting five churches in one day. Uh, in Tulsa, now Tulsa is, there's a lot of churches in Tulsa. My record, I think, is actually 12 churches in one weekend. And I'm talking <laughs> about full services. Like, literally, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, there are so many different churches, and they're so close to each other, <laughs> and you can, go to, you can go to three churches on a Sunday morning and still get a Sunday midday service and a Sunday evening service and maybe even two Sunday evening churches in Tulsa. It's totally doable. Uh, I know because... I've but, you, but you do it. Why? I do it because I'm going to learn. I'm going to experience. I'm not going there... To, uh, to be committed to these churches. I'm going there because I don't get to, to visit churches very often. And as a pastor in Moscow, I want to experience as many different variations of church as there is because it's just so beautiful to experience. Um, now, unfortunately, now this is what I'm getting to, unfortunately, when I visit churches in Tulsa, and I try to find out uh, which of my relatives is going to which church or our team in Tulsa, what church do they go to? And when I begin to talk to people, I realize, wait a minute, last year you told me you went to that church. And now this year you're telling me that you go to this church? It's a misunderstanding of covenant. And then I come back a year later, and the same person that just told me that this is the best church in Tulsa now tells me that this one over here is the best church in Tulsa. How can all three of these churches simultaneously be the best church in Tulsa? It's like shoppers. We need to be called by God somewhere. And, you know, this question about how you should leave a church, Paul, you've raised up some really good questions here. You know, I've been a pastor for many, many, many years. Now you're a pastor. It is very inappropriate when somebody that I believe that I'm spiritually responsible for just disappears and mm -hmm. starts going to another church. And they don't even inform me. Mm -hmm. Now, if they want to come to me and inform me, I would never stand against that. Because they're the Lord's sheep. They can go where they Amen. feel like they... But if I'm spiritually charged with responsibility for that person, 
it's not right for them to say, well, now I have another shepherd. You don't just jump flocks. You need to inform what's happening. And that's happened with us many times. And I've said, hey, amen, that's a great church. Go, I bless it. But just to disappear, it's not right to everybody. It's not even right to the new pastor because when I see them visiting that church, I might think, why did that pastor steal my sheep? It just, it just messes up everything. Yeah. And it's communication is always best. It always helps. Can I say something? Of course. Uh, I've been told, you know, and pastoring a long time, that, you know, somebody from time to time come up and say, you know, we love you, but God is calling us to go to this other church or we're moving away. Or, And for me, Rick, it's always been a point of honor. It's very honorable. That they cared enough to come to me or to Rick and say, we love you, but we feel like that we need to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's just so, Paul, it's so mm-hmm. honoring. For the, for the same reason, if somebody comes to our church from another church, we will not receive them as a member unless they have the approval of their former pastor. Mm-hmm. We're, not, we're not for just jump, jumping churches. Yeah. This is a, church membership is a very serious thing, mm-hmm. Paul. I, I do have a recommendation if you are looking for a different church. And I, it kind of sounds like church shopping. Uh, I don't want to, to sound like that. But if you feel like you're supposed to be joining a different community or joining a different church, become part of that church fellowship, I recommend trying it out before you commit. Uh, and one way to try it out, and this is what happens in Moscow, some people will come up to me and say, "We'd like, you know, w- you know, we'd like to start join- We'd like to start going to this other church." I said, "You're free to do whatever you want, but I want to keep a relationship with you. I recommend that you try it for two or three months, and then come back to me and say that you're going to do it full time. That way, there's still a relationship." And you're not burning bridges with anyone. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes if you just visit a church one Sunday or experience a conference, it's not actually the full picture. No, that's right. But when you try to take your kids to children's ministry, or when you try to go for counseling, uh, when you try to set an appointment up with someone on the pastoral team, then you actually begin to figure out you know, what this church is like. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a little while. For, for you to understand what kind of community it is, what kind of culture there is there. So I recommend giving it some time before you actually make a full-fledged commitment. I appreciate every one of those suggestions. I think that's wonderful. Thank you. But the renters really believe in church membership. And you know, maybe some people don't even believe in church membership. But you know, I was thinking the other day about church membership. I was thinking, you know, when our kids were young, if we had a whole house full of kids, they were not all my kids. I know my kids. Paul, Philip, and Joel, they are our kids. And it's kind of that way with church membership. You can have all kinds of people in your church, but when you know people that are members of your church, you, you have a different relationship with them, a different level of accountability, a different level of pastoral care. You're happy for everybody who comes to church, of course, but when somebody signs their, their name on the, on the line, it elevates the relationship. Yes. It's more serious. Joel? Well, we we're have, out of time. We are out of time, but we have more questions. And we answer these questions in the series. They're also in the study guide. You can download the study guide for free. Today's the last day you can do it. 
and you can get the answers right now, or you can order the whole series. Yes. And the answers, I think, are just phenomenal. But the questions were, does God always hate divorce? That's a very important question. Mm -hmm. And the last question we didn't get to, is it right or wrong for a believer to drink alcoholic beverages? Some think, some seem to believe it's okay as long as you don't get drunk, and others believe it is a sin. Can you answer this, please? It's, and we did. It's all right here in the study guide and in the series, and the study guide's free. You can get it for free right now. And please let us know how to pray for you. We want to pray for you, but we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.